Hi, welcome to Story Hall. A podcast exploring the lore behind the most important stories in the world. So pull up a chair by the fireplace. And let us put a story in your hole. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Story Hole. I am Joey. I'm Roger. And I'm Kevin. Hey, Ali Hoopa. <laughs> Hi, Ali Hoopa. Pardon? That's sweet. That's that's Swedish. That means, hey guys, <laughs> hey everyone, we're all together. <laughs> okay. Is that really Swedish? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I only knew that phrase from Dumb and Dumber at the very end uh, when the Hawaiian Tropic girls are saying hi to the guys and they screw up and they don't get on the bus. Mm-hmm. And so I've been saying that phrase probably for like 20 years. And I just found out today on accident that it's Swedish and it means hi, everyone. <laughs> That's nice. Oh, yeah. Is that anything to do with what we're talking about today or just a little snippet you wanted to share? Uh, well, we're going to be talking about Swedish stuff. Okay. Like dark chocolate? Yeah, dark, dark. Swedish meatballs. Swedish meatballs, the guy from the Muppets. I have a lot of opinions about Swedish meatballs that I'd like to I'd like to share. Yeah. Okay. What are they so round for, huh? You're telling me. It's easier to go down the throat. <laughs> that one's easy. Yeah. Cube has more surface area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pointy. I'm a I'm a math math magician. You're a math magician. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, PewDiePie, right? Is he <laughs> Swedish? <laughs> He's Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Brofist. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about some Swedish folklore, and it specifically takes place at night, like a creepy event that takes place at night. Would you recommend that listeners listen to this at night to really get that immersive experience? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is a creep-ass one, so this is good. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, and, and, and if you're feeling spooky, turn those lights off. In fact, sit in your room in the darkness for a little while. <laughs> And then turn it on. I want to turn off my lights and yeah. shut my windows and get naked so that I can be my most vulnerable. <laughs> well, let's just let the recording run and then at midnight, exactly, I'm going to start. Okay. 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 Go. I feel most vulnerable when I'm pooping. Do you guys agree? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Nah, dude, I, I think I can just turtle it up and run if I need to. <laughs> or just go just go as you're running. Whatever. True. Less it's weight. Like it's it's it. it pushes yeah. you forward. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> today I want to tell you guys about a game with an eerie history. It involves time travel, ghosts, succubi, but it's not just the game itself. It's the actual Swedish folklore that was used to create the game. On today's story hole, I want to talk about the year walk. I've never heard of this game. Yeah, it's a sneak. Is this a video game or a board game? It's a sneaky one. Yeah, it's a video game. Now, in the old Swedish texts from the 1600s, there are all sort of neat folklore, some of which is still followed today. If you walk around your house, for instance, around Christmas Eve with a poured scepter, you can get a small glimpse of the future, for example. But more s- Wait, with a what? A poured scepter. It's like a... What's a porridge scepter? It's a wooden, like, primitive whisk. It's before, like, whisks that we know are, like, you know, the weird wiry ones. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a wooden stick with a bunch of weird prongy things sticking out. Okay. That's for mixing your, for your oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but more so... Yeah. I uh, love the idea of calling cooking tool scepters yeah, yeah that's <laughs> pretty good that. it does kind of look like a scepter it looks like the mario 3 scepter when you save uh the kings or whatever in the respective regions i'm gonna start cool. using my cereal scepter in the morning yeah. to keep my lucky charms use my my prong sec scepter for my <laughs> corn hold on guys my throat's pretty dry i need to drink out of my water scepter real fast okay so those those sweets they're they're superstitious but they also believed that the dead still interacted with the living. Uh, and on big events, you could find ghosts of your loved ones roaming in cemeteries, singing songs. And the story of the year walk follows this theme down a traditional Swedish belief of what's called 
Ursgong. Uh, I, I looked up how to say that. It's, I'm probably going to say Arsgong if that's okay with you guys. I can't pronounce. That's okay with me. Arsgong. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no Swedish speaker. So the year walk opens up with text explaining what Arsgong is. In the old days, man tried to catch a glimpse of the future in the strangest of ways. They locked themselves in dark rooms, not partaking of food and drink. At the stroke of midnight, they ventured out into the night, through the dark woods where strange creatures roamed, to see if they would be wealthy, to see if they would be happy, to see if they would live, to see if they would be loved. And as Swedish How tradi- does that work? How, how does a walk through the forest tell you anything? I'm going to get there, Kevin. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm anxious. <laughs> Just so excited. You're just ex- you're just scared. Yeah, scared too. Uh-huh. Can we just uh, get to the jump scare already? I hate the ah, anticipation. Oh, there is a couple of them, but we'll just I'm, I'm gonna sneak them up on you. Okay. As Swedish tradition goes, on the last day of the year or on a holiday, someone could sit in a dark room for 24 hours. When the clock struck midnight, they would set out on a quest to meet various supernatural beings that would bestow inhuman powers to them. It also said in some circles that if someone manages to do this for several years in a row, they can expect to be greeted by different figures who would ask them to do tasks in exchange for wisdom. Some folks even believe that on the 10th year, you would basically become a godlike figure that can travel through the planes of time. What? In our story... Yeah. Why didn't everybody do that? Because there's a chance you would die. Oh. Yeah. You're, you're, you're inviting, you know, these toxic beings that you, are, that you can't control or no one really knows much about to basically invade your life and give you weird tests. Man. Plus if everybody if everybody is a god then nobody's a god, right? That's yeah. a good point. So. Yeah, yeah. But in this story, these creatures are only a rumor for the man about to make his year walk. So imagine in first person view a maroon cabin. The sound is dampened by heavy snow as the man walks about. There are plenty of little things to observe in this humble snow town. Broken wheels from wheelbarrows, fences, trees, a windmill. And inside the windmill, our character Daniel Svensson finds his fiancée, whose name is Stina. She lovingly scolds him for being out in the cold without proper clothing and then expresses her concern about his choice to participate in the year walk. Stina then asks Daniel if he remembers what happened to her cousin, rhetorically, alluding to her untimely death. She gives it one last chance, expressing her opinion that people are not supposed to know their future and then sends him off to prepare himself. Daniel leaves and walks home to the maroon cabin, where we hear his heartbeat and ominous music as the night falls. From here on out, the snowy terrain seems to flicker in and out and wiggle just enough to be unsettling. Daniel has a few things on him, including a crude inked map of the area, and an encyclopedia explains what he can expect on his year walk. The most important details are that a year walker has the ultimate destination of reaching a church. However, on the way, They typically encounter several supernatural creatures that would pose a threat physically, mentally, and spiritually in efforts to detain or deter the walker from reaching their destination. If the year walker survives the encounters and reaches the cemetery, they would then walk in a complex pattern around the church to open the eyes of the walker into the future. This would come as seeing ghosts of the living, mourning death of a loved one, or seeing glimpses of a wedding procession for events that they would come to attend in the following year. The game recounts the testimony of a 19th century mental patient named Martin Nilsson, who had this to say, Before I saw what happened next year, I lived amongst the stars. I lived there for many lifetimes, it seemed. What do I care for next year? Time has already ended. Daniel continues on his uneasy journey, encountering images of horses, ravens, ghosts, and cryptic symbols etched into the tree bark at random, until he comes across a shed. Inside the shed is the hanging upper body of a worn old wooden doll with crudely etched owls behind it. 
Daniel begins twisting the doll's head around, and when he releases it, the head begins to spin 360 degrees several times. The arms raise up and down in a predetermined pattern as a music box melody plays. Upon the last rotation of the head, the doll's face is revealed to be stained with blood until he spins it once again and the blood disappears. Daniel continues out of the shed once again to find strange tombstones with unfamiliar Blair Witch-like symbols on them. Eyes, goat heads, your standard occult stuff, but also button-like markings. He presses them, revealing a unique glow behind the eye symbols. He then heads across a river, walking on a fallen log, and eventually finds himself at a locked cemetery gate, where a mystical key presents itself to him. It eclipses the figure of a floating cloaked woman with closed eyes until both the key and the woman vanish. Shortly thereafter, he finds this woman, now with a white veil, floating, guiding him, and always facing him as she moves backward. Though she tries to hide them, it's evident that she has sticks protruding from the back of her head and her back itself. She leads him to a large tree, and on both sides, owls on branches which begin to hoot in a strange pattern. The tree reveals an opening. Daniel enters. The inside is dark, with small bits of illuminated floor and moaning songs of ghostly women. In fact, the moans seem to be singing once again to guide Daniel to the woman. She then reveals her true twisted face and lunges at him, leaving a bloody puddle. But Daniel's okay. He exits the tree, and the blood seems to soak inward, allowing the tree to bud new branches. He also sees the key, but it's carried away by a raven. So, this woman that seemed to guide Daniel to the answer initially presented herself as a white, calm woman, leaving flowers blooming in her wake as she floated by. Only rage out on him in the tree prison. She's what's called a holdra. There's a whole race of these forest spirits, and they are kind to miners that showed them respect, keeping an eye on their coal while the miners slept. Holdra, from the front, is nude and beautiful, but from the back appears hollow like a tree trunk. Other accounts have her back covered in tree bark, and either way, if you have a nice Holdra, she may treat you how you treat her. She may mingle amongst people. She may even marry a human, thereby losing her magical properties. But if you find yourself with an evil Holdra, she will coax you back into her cave and enslave you, or worse, she might suck your life from your body and absorb it to free herself. Also, some of them have cow tails. <laughs> so from the back, like the they look like a tree, but they also might have a cow tail? Yeah, like a hollow tree and a cow tail. Yeah. yeah that's so really from the neat. front, they look lovely, but from the back, they're just harsh. I think I might be, I think I might be part Holdra. Holdra? Holdra. Holdra, yeah. Helga. Uh, from the front, I am lovely. Yeah. But from the back. There's a big brown mess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Daniel leaves the tree and once again finds himself at the river. This time, he sees what appears to be a drowning horse, but it's not drowning. It raises itself to chest level, revealing a humanoid body wearing a black suit and tie. And then it presents four strange baby-like beings around its shoulders. It looks at Daniel and blinks as it waits for Daniel's reaction. This creature is known as the Bakahast, or what's known as the Brook Horse. It's a beautiful white horse that would travel around collecting children to ride on its back. And when it felt that it had enough riders, it would then dive into the river, drowning the children and then collecting their souls. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. One neat tidbit about the brook horse is that if you catch it and you call it off for trying to deceive you, you can then order it to replace a horse on your farm and it will plow your fields for you forever. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. 
but you have to have a horse first. It's probably a good tip off if it has a bunch of babies tied to its back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty- That's the first thing I would look for. <laughs> so it's such a weird idea to think like, oh, I'm a horse. I'm just going to go pick up a bunch of babies. <laughs> They're not going to know how to ride a horse. Yeah. That's like juggling for a horse. <laughs> They've been training, though. <laughs> yeah. On those like <laughs> coin operated ones at the mall and <laughs> the, the ones on the stick. You know? Yeah. How spooky know would it doing. actually be if you were in the forest and you just saw a bunch of coin operated little horses? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's my dream. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got news for you, Kev. After the yeah. show tonight, I want to take you to the forest and show you something I've been working on. Cool. <laughs> it's my dance. It's called the forest <laughs> dance. <laughs> Let's talk about those babies. Oh, I'd love to. But what's to talk about? Well, those the horse in the river. He kind of manifested these four little ghost-like babies around him. Mm-hmm. So we would presume that those are probably babies that he drowned, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's that's not true for these babies. They're soon to be drowned. These babies, babies are called what's that? They're soon to be drowned babies. Well, they're babies that are in distress, and those are their souls, and you're basically gonna have to try to help them out, and I'll tell you why. Okay. These babies are called Mylingen, otherwise known as Mylings. In the game, the Mylings are murdered by unfit mothers or caretakers. But in Jeez. a traditional lore, unwanted babies, unbaptized, or babies born out of wedlock, were placed in the woods to meet their death. The souls of these abandoned babies would whine until someone would come and find them. Then they would latch onto the back of their rescuers and urge them to go to a cemetery so that the Mylings could rest on hallowed grounds. In Finnish lore, the baby would get heavier and heavier and eventually cause the rescuer to sink into the floor if they weren't quick enough. And for those unfortunate folks, the myling baby would then turn on them and kill them uh, as they were sunk into the floor. Man. I'd like to see him try. <laughs> Are you going to go into the forest and try to get some babies to jump on your back? <laughs> That's right. Uh, fighting a herd of babies <laughs> would be an evening. It is a weird thing to think that these babies could kill you, but they're like spirit babies. Yeah, so they're supernatural they, babies. Yeah. I wonder what the kind of powers they have. I should get just trick them into getting married so they lose all their powers. <laughs> You're gonna marry some babies, Kev? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. All right, so let's continue with Daniel. So Daniel realizes he must help rescue the four souls of the murder babies in order to gain the favor of the horseman. So he begins exploring the empty forest for blood trails so that he may rescue four abandoned babies and return them to the horseman to help them move on all the while catching glimpses of their torturous mothers. Upon returning all four shivering babies, the horse opens his mouth to reveal a key and a blue flame. But again, a raven flies down and snatches the key, leaving Daniel only with this mystical blue flame. Daniel travels to a partially underground storage area. It's a stone basement of sorts, and he uses that blue flame to light up the path as best as he can. He finds more symbols, and eventually a ladder that leads to another opening. And above ground, he finds the seemingly dead body of that raven. But as he prods it, it reveals that it's not dead. And like the horse, it opens its mouth. Almost tearing its face off, a large white raven-like figure emerges from the body of the raven, finally dropping the key itself for Daniel. Now this raven comes from a legend of what's called the knocked crap. <laughs> I imagine it's... I imagine nice. it's Real nice, Joey. <laughs> it's probably pronounced knocked crope or something, but it's spelled... It's knocked crap. So, <laughs> um, a giant raven-like bird with no eyes that when looked at can cause immediate death. The knocked crap exists in a bunch of European folktales, and one of them is kind and sings kids to sleep in the rooms, but another one will abduct children and eat their hearts out in his nest. So they're both both good. <laughs> so, 
This key that he found, of course, is the key to the gate of the cemetery. So Daniel finally walks there, and he finds the church. But before entering the church grounds, he once again locates tombstones with symbols on them, and he touches them, which seem to imbue him with directions for the mystical pattern in which he must walk around the church. With this new knowledge, he is ready to complete his year walk. He walks to the church, goes around its perimeter in a very specific order, which opens its doors and then invites him in. And this is it. This is his final trial. There he's greeted by a dark-cloaked goat man, which moves erratically and flashes glimpses of its own heart. This is what's known as the Church Grim, and there are two interpretations as to who this could be. One Church Grim is known as the Kirkegrimmen. He's a caretaker for the church, but also an evil goat. There isn't much info on this, except that evil people should definitely fear him, and that he's basically the devil. There is also another interpretation that it's a black dog. It was believed a long time ago that when a new church was erected, whoever was buried there first would serve an eternity of night watch to protect the souls of other people buried in that cemetery. Because these souls needed protection from the devil, from vandals, from witches, from warlocks and thieves. (laughs) Thinking that that was such a cruel thing to do to a single person's soul, they opted to bury living black dogs under the cornerstone of the church. That would mean that they died first and would serve as spectral guardians for the church and cemetery. Man, that sucks that they would bury a live dog. Yeah. But that's really neat. Yeah. Have a have a, a dog guardian. Well, yeah. Hey, do you remember in Harry Potter how um, there was the Grim? It was yeah. like the, the symbol that they read yeah, in the tea was, leaves that, that a, Harry like Potter a thing was doing. to indicate uh, that he was going to do I don't that? remember. They called it the Grim, and it was like the shape of a black dog. I think I remember what you're Probably talking about. Probably comes from that. I forget what the twist was, though. They're pretty good in Harry Potter finding cool things like that. Remember when we talked about the Boggart? That was pretty cool. Yeah. So Daniel comes face to face with the Church Grim. And around him, glasses and mirrors begin to break. And the goat heart presents itself to him as an oblong geometric dodecahedron. Inside the strange object are space and time themselves, beautiful shapes, memories of his cabin in the woods, the constellations that blanket his home, symbols of the creatures he's encountered, and a message of fate. It has already been decided, and Daniel must stop coming to the church. And one last message. I don't love you anymore. Daniel seems to wake up in the spring around the forest in his home. As he walks, he finds Stina laying on the grass. But she's not sleeping. A pool of blood begins to emerge from her dress. Stina's dead. Holy shit. So that's where the game ends, sort of. But if you watch the credits, there are a bunch of clues hidden. And if you log back into the game and view your map, there's a hidden name that will grant you like access to a, the game's journal, like an in-game journal. And it has posts from a man named Theodore Almsten. He's a modern-day man that's begun investigating the history of Swedish Yearwalk. And over the course of his entries, we come to find that through his research, Theodore begins losing his mind. He ultimately decides to go on a walk himself, but not without publishing his research. And he knows he's going to be punished by the mystical watchers for doing so. So he seals his terrible fate and he enters his last entry, once again, leaving clues to be found by the player of the game for the actual final ending. Daniel receives a knife along with a newspaper article from the future, revealing that he murdered Stina. Theodore contacts Daniel and seemingly tells him how to save Stina, which can be interpreted as Daniel making the choice to continue on his unchangeable fate or to kill himself before he does it. Wait, so Theodore Daniel's wrote the, a journal that da- told Daniel's Daniel that he so needs da- to kill so, himself before uh, he so kills his Daniel was our original guy, right? Oh, and then Theodore okay. Olmsten was the journal guy. So if you watch the credits, there are clues hidden. 
And if you log back into the game, you can view your map and there's a hidden name that will unlock access to the in-game journal. It has posts from a man named Theodor Almsten, a modern-day man that has begun investigating the history of Swedish year walks. Over the course of his entries, we come to find that through his research, Theodor begins losing his mind. He ultimately decides to go on a walk himself, but not without publishing his research. He knows he will be punished by the mystical watchers for doing so, and seals his terrible fate for himself in his last entry. Once again, clues can be found to reveal the final ending and what actually happened to Daniel. Daniel receives a knife along with a newspaper article from the future, revealing that he murdered Stina. Theodore somehow contacts Daniel and seemingly tells him how to save Stina, which can loosely be interpreted as Daniel making the choice to either continue on his unchangeable fate or to kill himself to prevent himself from actually uh, killing his fiance. So Daniel, through the year walk, was able to access the future... And Theodore reached back through that to tell him not to kill his wife. I guess, <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's so in the in the original year walk when he when he got the message that she doesn't love him anymore. Mm-hmm. Did he just go home and murder her? I mean, that's basically what we're we're trying to figure out. Uh, it se- okay. it seems like that's the way it goes, but I think they leave it openly cryptic just to kind of make the the viewer a little confused. I mean, they uh-huh. hid two extra endings in the story, but you know, time travel shit is always weird. So, I don't know. (laughs) That's so crazy that they end the game with you murdering your wife. Yeah. (laughs) Because she's going to leave you. She doesn't love you anymore. Do you think... So, I mean, the year walk is a risky thing, right? Because there are demons and, like, bad powers, right? Right. Is there a chance that she wasn't really going to leave him? That she wasn't going to tell him that she didn't love him anymore? It was just a trick to make him murder his wife? I mean, I guess if that's what the Grimm's... You know, church groom was up to. I don't really know. I mean, that's that's it's risky. Real, because I imagine if I went on a year walk and I was relying on like dark powers to, to reveal the future to me, and they made me want to murder my wife, I probably wouldn't trust them, right? Yeah, it's a bad call. <laughs> I mean, at some point though, you're going to start seeing that your relationship with your wife is starting to fail. Yeah, and maybe it's because I'm suspicious in the first place. Yeah. So they think, yeah. So but those cryptic messages. There was uh, some really specific ones where where the messages are saying your fate is is you know unchangeable. It's been it's been decided, and so I mean, mm. I, I don't know how you would run away from that fate, but it seems like his options are kill his wife or just prevent himself from doing so. I mean, by killing himself. Even still, what if that drove her into like immense sadness and then she kills herself? Yeah, I mean, it's an unchangeable fate. That's true. She didn't care about him anymore. She she like, still good. did at that point. She might have. Yeah. Yeah. So, would you guys go if the year walk was real, or at least that you you heard it might be real? Uh-huh. Would you give it a shot? Yeah. Yeah. I get to marry all those babies. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think twenty four hours in a dark room would just drive you to madness. In this case, no, Daniel. Twenty four hours. That's not that much. Isn't that like? Sleep, sleep. Why don't think? Yeah, you can to. you can last twenty four hours by yourself in a dark room, no problem. I don't know. You've probably done it, Joey. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think you're allowed to sleep though. Why not? Yeah. Still, I think you'd be okay. Do you ever see that scene in Rocket Man with Harlan Williams where he's in the the, <laughs> the chamber by himself? No. You're singing John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. It's very very funny. <laughs> Rocket Man. That's a terrible. That's movie. a great movie. Remember when the when the, the the chimp is is eating puzzles and jumping on the bed? <laughs> Nah, I've never seen it. It's so it. good. <laughs> it's a very. I like Harlan Williams though. So he's a wacko. Yeah. Is that that new Elton John movie? <laughs> yeah, it's also called Rocket. It, Man. it threw me off. By the way, I was driving in see me, and I saw one of the theaters Rocket Man was playing. I was like, yes, and I was like, oh, it's the Elton John movie. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I wish you had bought a ticket and we're just really yeah. disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I I don't I like rock I like Elton John, but you know if it's between Elton He's John no and Harlan Williams. Williams, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Why choose? I'm probably the only person that would choose to go see the Harlan Williams movie over the Elton John one. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, but that's it for our song. Um, uh, there is one more little folk tale about the Church Grimm, uh, if you guys want to hear a little story. Yeah. yeah. Um, in North Yorkshire, there's a bridge called Kilgrim Bridge that crosses a river. And the story goes that no one could build a bridge that would stay up like due to major floods. It wasn't strong enough. So the devil showed up and he promised to build one under the condition that the first living creature to cross the bridge would serve as a sacrifice to him. Uh, and then he would make sure the bridge would stay up forever. So the people built a bridge, and a shepherd swam across the actual river, whistling for his dog, whose name was Grim, oh. to follow above him on the bridge. And then when the dog made it across, Grim became the sacrifice and followed the devil, and then the bridge stayed. Huh. Well, why, why, do people, why do Swedish people hate dogs yeah, so much? <laughs> PewDiePie, where's your answer? <laughs> I don't know. Ikea. Yeah, Ikea. <laughs> I don't know anything else that's Swedish. Yeah, <laughs> just IKEA. All right, well, your walk. Yeah, are clogs Swedish? I think clogs. So. I think those are more clogs. Dutch, clogs. Or Danish, oh. perhaps. What about clocks? Yeah, <laughs> clocks might be. <laughs> All right, well, uh, well, cool. That's it for for that. Um, Do you guys want to meet up later for the year walk? Yeah, I wonder if you can bring a yeah, friend. Give a shot. I like how many things involve going out in the middle of the night at like midnight at you know walking around at dark and trying to contact scary people. Yeah. I'm sorry, what what day do you have to do the year walk on? So this one takes place on New Year's, like New Year's Eve. Okay. But really, there's actually a bunch of different Swedish holidays that we don't necessarily set. We do Easter, but they also have a bunch of days that are like Smorgendorgen. And so you could do you could do a year walk on any holiday? On specific ones. There's like a like a list okay. of like six. So like I think Christmas is one, Easter's one, and then there's other like holidays that I don't think we celebrate. I think um Dog murder day is coming up. <laughs> we could do it then. <laughs> All right, you guys want to wrap it up? Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like what we're doing, send us a big old fat email. Storyholepodcast at gmail.com. A big juicy email. Big juice. Mm-hmm. Give me that big mm-hmm. juice. Fill me up. <laughs> also, if you wouldn't mind following us on Instagram, you could see uh, see the little clips that we put up for each episode and any kind of announcements or whatever we're doing yeah. on we'll there. Fill you up. <laughs> and if you get a minute, or uh, if you have a minute, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. That would help us out. Yeah, if a lot. you get a minute or you have a minute, <laughs> take a minute, just leave do a minute. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Holly Hoopa. Thanks, guys. Bye. See ya. Bye.